Good morning, everyone. This is the third episode of my Village Witchery podcast. I'm Northwoods Witch. I'm coming to you this morning in the darkness before the sunrise in this northern part of the world from a table covered in kid toys and books. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes that would derail me. I'd have to clean everything and set up my candles in the right spot and my incense in the right spot and make sure it felt all spiritually saturated and perfect before I started this work here. But my mom listened to my podcast the other day, and she looked at me and said, you know, my favorite episode of the three that I've made, uh, my favorite episode was the one with all the noise in the background, the birds and the kids, and I, I liked knowing where everybody was and that your house was full and that your life is real. And so I thought, well, I'll take this opportunity to point out that you don't need perfection to do this work, to do any work, to do spiritual work. And that's that's part of the tension, honestly, of, of an embodied practice is that the stuff around you does affect the way you feel. You know, I I definitely feel impacted by where I do things and how I do things with with the things around me. Because as I talked about, everything has a spirit, but that also shouldn't stop us from doing the work of the spirit. So that really long intro to point out that you don't need a table free of all of your kids' stuff or all of your stuff. You don't need to have a perfect altar space to practice or to use your words to speak power into the world and share your voice. So, from the kids' table full of all of the toys, cross-legged on the floor with my tea in front of me, coming to you this morning. I got up this morning because I just had this sense that it was really important before I go much farther to talk about um, something that is a pretty big deal in paganism. Because paganism, neo-paganism, this practice, this umbrella term that we use for kind of post-Christian, post-colonized religious tradition, spiritual pathways in North America and I guess Europe, there's, there's kind of one glaring there's many problems, but there's one glaring problem um, within this tradition, and that's appropriation. I also want to side note that um, because I kind of want to do this podcast part, the, the talking part, um, without necessarily doing a lot of footnoting or referencing, that I've made a commitment to put... <laughs> put references and notes in um, in the accompanying text to these podcasts. So if I um, am talking about somebody else's ideas or theories or um, just there's more information that, that someone else has done better than I could do um, and that has influenced me, I will do my level best to make sure that I at least put their name and their work in uh, the description of this podcast, if not links. To their actual work. Okay, so make sure that you go check that out. Um, if I bring somebody up and it sounds intriguing, go uh, go look for them. Mm-hmm. 
I bring that up because uh, I want to talk about one of the root um, causes of appropriation, and and that's white supremacy itself, whiteness itself. Um, there's this amazing list that was compiled by folks of color called the characteristics of white supremacy, uh, and it's it's incredibly helpful um, as a white person to look through that list uh, and kind of consider how it lives inside of you and how it feeds and has impacted your experience of the world and how you as a person who lives in that ocean of white supremacy use whiteness to impact others. And appropriation is one of those places that that's a both and. Um, White people appropriate because of a loss that is inherent within whiteness And it also deeply impacts the folks you appropriate from because of the imbalance of power of white supremacy. Okay, let me me break that down a little bit. So one of the pieces of whiteness, and when I say whiteness with a capital W as like the experience or um, social category, it has nothing to do really speaking with the color of your skin. But so one of the things that whiteness asks is that you give up your culture that you give up your lineage and that you choose instead to participate in um, this power structure and hierarchy because it gives power to white people. But what we're coming to see as the generations whose ancestors gave up our heritage, our lineage, our culture to join into whiteness is that we miss the things that we gave up. We feel their lack and we feel their loss. And so this is how cultural appropriation happens. It's when white folks look around and say, I'm missing something. There's something that I wish I had. Um, and I'll use the example of, uh, because it's really common, um, Native American spiritual practices in whatever part of North America you happen to live in. There's a tribe whose home you're traditionally living upon, a people whose um, spirituality is tied inherently to that place. And as white folks, we don't have that here, right? Those roots don't exist in the same way. And so when you feel called to identify as tied to the land, right, to honor the land with relationship and love and sacredness, um, instead of looking to something inside of yourself, you look at what's already there and you look at Native American practice and tradition and you go, oh, I love that. It's beautiful. I, I wish that I had that practice. And you take it. Okay. I also know that can sound really harsh, right? Because if you're taking something because you feel spiritually drawn to it, it feels like it's coming from a good place. I want to acknowledge right now that it's hard to be a white person. Um, We didn't necessarily put ourselves in the place that we are in. It was our ancestors. We didn't necessarily sign on to being the beneficiaries of white supremacy. But here's the thing we are. Um, And so that's the work that white people have to do is to have all the feelings 
that come along with recognizing that we're complicit in some real, real crap that's causing harm to lots and lots of humans and the planet. And being honest with ourselves when we do have the behaviors of white supremacy that cause harm. All right, I recognize that was a little bit of a tangent, but I did want to make sure that I honor um, and pause to take note of the fact that when you're talking about people's spirituality, your spirituality, and someone comes along and says, hey, you can't do that because it causes um, significant harm, um, that I also take a minute to pause and say, make sure that you reach out and do something with those feelings because they're normal and they are healthy because if you don't have the feelings, you can't move and transition and grow. And so make sure you build yourself a community um, of white folks who can be supportive of you as you do the work of undoing white supremacy within yourself and our communities. But I also want to take a second now and kind of dig into what appropriation in and of itself um, means in the social justice and the spiritual pathway world. So specifically cultural appropriation has come to mean when a person from a group in power or in an imbalanced power relationship uh, with another group takes something from that other group and does not let go of the power that they hold with their identity um, in the powerful group. So again, to use the example of um, indigenous peoples, if you are a white person and you look at indigenous spirituality practices and go, that speaks to my spirit and my heart and I want to participate in that specific practice, Um, and you do not leave all of the trappings of white culture that are destroying land and humans um, and disenfranchising Native American peoples all across our planet, to be totally fair, but we're talking about the North American, American context right now, then that's appropriation. I had a teacher a few years ago, several years ago, I keep getting older and the years keep flying by, which I'm grateful for um, and mark them joyfully. But sometimes things were longer ago than I thought they were. So probably a little over a decade ago, I had a teacher um, who was Native American from Santa Fe area. And I don't recall the name of the tribe that she identified as part of, which is my work. Um But she said perhaps one of the most impactful things to me in terms of how I think about uh, my interaction with indigenous spirituality and spiritual practice. And it was, you can love my practice. You can look at it and be inspired by it, but you can't have it, right? Make your own. And I just really love that advice because it speaks kind of to the core of the issue where if your heart feels called to do something, do that thing, right? Um, And she was specifically talking about uh, like the coming of age ceremony of young women 
if you feel called to do a coming-of-age ceremony for young women, that is cross-cultural, for sure. It is powerful and meaningful and, you know, yes, do it. But don't do it like you're a member of the tribe that you were inspired by. You know, do it in a way that's meaningful for you, that reflects your heritage, your lineage, and things that are sacred to you. The other nugget of wisdom that I have um, incorporated into my own practice and teachings around cultural appropriation is this. There is a difference inherently between taking someone's practice um, and being inspired by a spiritual truth. For me, one of the things that lets me know that I have stumbled across, um, discovered, I've been offered a vision, whatever, have, have come across spiritual truth um, is when I see it reflected in pan-cultural space, or at least multicultural space. So basically, if something that I've, you know, intuited or read and it really resonates with me, if I then see that thing somewhere else, like an entirely different context, entirely like across the world, that's a pretty good indication to me that someone else has had a similar experience and has reached that same kind of understanding. And probably it's pretty true and holds a lot of value. So what do we do about all of this? Um, I think that's the work of white folks and specifically the work of white pagan identified white folks. So as your village witch here, I'm here to say that's our work. You know, that's my work to encourage white folks in North America to let go of their whiteness, to dig back and listen to the voices of their ancestors, to find the lineage that your people let go whether they were forced to or whether they chose to, it doesn't really matter. There's trauma in both of those choices or experiences. But our work in this moment is to find those places of lack and be open to filling them with voices that have been silenced for hundreds, thousands of years. Everyone has a right to be in right relationship with the earth and in community with each other and to have a spirituality that fulfills them, that fulfills you, that's life-giving, that's loving, and that speaks to your heart. And it doesn't need to be something that you take from someone else. It's something that can come from inside of you because you are connected inherently to the ancestors that practiced in ways that were life-giving and heart-filling and in right relationship with the earth and with community. And so, like any good story um, or teaching, this comes full circle and is interconnected, right? Cultural appropriation comes because there's lack, and that lack comes from our ancestors giving up their heritage to become white. And we as white folks feel that lack and go looking 
for things to fill it in places that we identify as not white because they have not given up that heritage and those heart pathways and spirituality practices. But it's our job, it's our responsibility as white folks who hold the power in the hierarchy that exists because our ancestors said yes or were forced to say yes to whiteness, that it's our job as white folks to dismantle that hierarchy. It's our job to dismantle white supremacy. It's our job not to take things that aren't ours, but rather to rediscover what is ours and bring it beautifully alive on the planet in radical, subversive ways that are heart-filling and life-giving and transform the world. Thank you for listening. I hope this has given you food for thought, has fed your spirit, has helped you align with your highest truths and understandings, um, and your best self in the world. I do this work imperfectly. I do it in the name of the goddess who calls me to bring her into the world through my words and my deeds. And so this work is part of that. And I once again invite you, if you have any thoughts or questions, to reach out. Let's be in dialogue. This is all unfolding work. It's complex work. And it's certainly nuanced work. (laughs) So um, there's not ever one right way. And there's not ever only one experience. I offer my voice to help you feel like there's companionship in the world for you and your thoughts and your beliefs. So reach out. Let's do this together. Some more to be.